Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Number 35, episode 35, Linda is here. Linda, please say hello to the listeners. Hello, listeners. We've got such a packed show for you today. Hold on to your hats because this is going to be award-winning, ladies and gentlemen. Award-winning! It's going to be so packed, you'll think someone spiked your brew. You won't know whether you're coming or going. You won't know whether you're coming or going. And I tell you what, who did come to the show... Uh, at the 100 Club a couple of days ago. A lot of people, a lot of wonderful people, and you will be hearing some of the ghost stories that they gave us the other night. That's coming up. That was a couple of days ago. But there's another one coming up. It's another show, 26th of November. The 26th of November. Please go to wegottickets.com forward slash Clinton Baptiste. No. Well, I don't know. But look, look for Clinton. Google it. Google it. I can't do everything now. I can't do everything for you, can I? How pissed were they at the Hundred Club? Really pissed, actually. You'll hear that. Tony Nutman. You know Tony Nutman. No, I feel like I should. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> he was uh, he was a bit pissed. He told a terrible story. You can hear that coming up later. Oh, oh bliss. Brevity is the thing. Brevity. Mm. You know, you don't want to hang around too long, which is exactly what we're doing now. Let's get it. Let's go. How have you been? What have you been up to? I'm all right. I've been visiting a hospital. Right. Not the hospital itself. Not like that. And not for me, for a loved one. Uh, whose uh, identity I'm going to uh, keep a secret. Right, because okay. it's frankly, none of your bloody business. Well, and I tell you what... I've got no idea what you're talking about. Yes. Anyway, he was starving. He kept being told, you'll have to hang on, you can't eat anything, you might get operated on. Of course he didn't. He was oh, absolutely famished. He was ready to eat his own fist at one oh, point. Oh, God, right. So I went and bought him a butty, and not just any butty, a Marx's butty. Yes. Took it in, wafted it under his nose, a nurse came along and whipped it away. You're joking. You can't eat that. You've got to want have low fat. So I said, well, look, oh my God, let's read really? the ingredients, shall we? Yeah, you can't have that. I'll go and get you a cheese sandwich. To which the gentleman in the bed went, hang on a minute, how's that lower fat That's than lower this? That's lower fat. What, what, what was it that you'd offer? Which particular It was a beef, a beef and horseradish. I wouldn't imagine that's any... More fatty Not than the they... cheese butty, no. Well, did the nurse say, yes, that's better, or...? Uh, they said, no, they said, no, you can have that... Well, eat it if you want, but I wouldn't. It's not low fat. Well, let me find you one. Let me get you a cheese butty. Right. Confusion all round. Came back, they came back with a ham sam. Because... A ham sam? Oh, I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute. Go on, yeah. And it was a dry one. And he said, oh, do you know what? I'm not hungry. 
Oh, bloody Well, I know what you're thinking at home. Oh, yeah, needless detail. No, it's not needless detail. You will know this when you're in your lowest deb. You wait. Yeah, you just wait. Oh, yeah, needless detail. It helps if I turn the volume up on that. Yeah. I just want... Yeah. I just want to tell you, this is... I was thinking about sandwiches, the only because I keep reading these reports about pretz. Very, very expensive. Didn't used to be! Mm. Very expensive. First of all, Tom Parker Bowles, who I've met, incidentally, and I'll tell you about him. He, he had a car wait for me at the BBC once, and he took it. Oh, what ne- a ne- shit! Never forgiven him since. Mind you, he, he's more likely to be kidnapped than me, so what the hell. But anyway, he's in the fabulous Daily Mail online today. <laughs> Talking about precisely. You never miss an issue. I never you? miss an issue. I always feel a bit dirty after I've been reading that. Especially if you read that sidebar. Oh, that is revolting, dirty. isn't it? That is bloody revolting. There are some people who will, will choose to put a red downward thumb on the most reasonable of stuff. You yeah. think, what sort of mind does that? Anyway. You know what sort of mind. I do, I do. It's that sort of mind that is revolting, Falcon. Anyway, uh, Tom Parker Bowles in the Daily Mail. Mm. This is his quote. He's talking about sandwiches. <laughs> this really. Uh, before we go into this, let's remember he's better than us. He is better than us. I will. I will always say that. But he's very much. He's not as good as. Um, he is better oh, than us. Oh, so much better. Right, so Tom Parker Bowles in the Daily Mail. This is the sort of thing. Occasionally I'll read this sort of stuff and it'll just wind me up so much. And he says, the jambon beurre sandwich, which is called ham sandwich. This is something we're talking about. Ham and butter. Ham and butter. The jambon beurre sandwich is a masterpiece, providing you get it in the morning when the roll is still crisp. Who's got time to dick around with all that? And if it, you leave it all day, the roll will be crispy. <laughs> and it's chicken, avocado and basil sandwiches. Tastes mighty good. When 36,000 feet over the Atlantic... Well, you know I can't have basil sandwiches. Why? Pesto reacts terribly with oh, me. You certainly do not right. want to be 36,000 feet oh, locked in with me. Oh, my God, I think we remember that. Really check yourself. Yes. 36,000 feet over the Atlantic and facing whatever British Airways is calling lunch that day. The shops are always clean, and did I mention the jambon beurre? <laughs> Ghastly. <laughs> right! Oh, what a we can agree. We've got so much to pack. We're going to speak to some people what? who want to tell us some ghost stories to convince you. Now, we've just got time to go to this. It is a bite-sized shiver, <laughs> and it's called A Wing and a Prayer. If you would, please put the spooky music on as we tell a story about a plain mad dad has come up with an inventive way of communicating from heaven. Now, this story, tall tale, is from Sarah Hullier, who is 25, if you can believe that. In chat, um, what's it called? Take a break, fate and fall. (laughs) I rolled the dough flat, cut it into strips and popped the baking tray into the oven. It was March 2019 and my dad, Stephen, was in hospital recovering from an operation to remove cancerous tumours from his lungs. This gets gets nicer. Sorry about that. I was making his favourite cheese straws for Mum and I to take in when we visited the next day. Well, I hope it's low fat. I was just going to say that. They wouldn't stand for that. Go on. (laughs) I went to sit down, but something made me call the hospital. Dad had been moved onto a respirator after surgery and was doing well, so I wasn't worried. So this does get more interesting in a minute. It's a bit bit grim at the moment. Go on. Hang on. I went to sit down, but something made me call the hospital. Dad had been moved onto a respirator after surgery and and was doing well, so I wasn't worried. Yeah, that sounds terrible. So you rang the hospital anyway. Okay. The phone on Dad's ward rang for ages, and when a nurse finally answered, her voice sounded weird. We're all with your dad now, she said. You should come. Mum and I were half 
I feel guilty of laughing at any of this. Mum and I were halfway from my house in Kent to the hospital in Birmingham when I got the call to say Dad had gone. Sorry oh, bloody that. hell. Yes. Apparently, when I'd rung earlier, it was the exact moment Dad's monitor had gone off to say his heart had stopped. That was why the nurses sounded freaked out when I'd said who I was. It's the eeriest coincidence in all my years of nursing. I doubt that. <laughs> I think they got 300 quid for this story. Well, anyway, of course they I did. don't think that's the weirdest thing that you might phone up. Anyway, don't matter. I wasn't a believer in the afterlife, but the strange timing did make me wonder. A few months after losing Dad, I took a flight and found myself seated over the wing. I teared up at the coincidence. Yeah, that, again... <laughs> What's the coincidence? Dad had been on a plane. No, no, it was coming up. Dad's job had been working on the computer software that made aeroplane wing flaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's curiously... <laughs> you know, there is some, there's some connection, yeah. isn't there? He'd loved his job, and whenever we'd flown anywhere as a kid, he tried to explain to me in detail how it all worked. Typical kid, I'd just groaned about how boring it all yeah, sounded. another feeling. Now I wished I'd listened. On the flight home, I was seating over the flaps again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was seating over the flaps again. After a few weeks, and a few weeks on, I had to fly again for work, and again I found myself over the flaps, there and back. It was getting a bit weird. My favourite position over the flaps. <laughs> it was getting weird now. Then in October 2019, my boyfriend Franklin and I decided to get a dog from a breeder in Poland. On the flight out, correct the dog, who I named Stevie after my dad. Again, I was given a seat over the flaps. <laughs> I did not dream when I came in today we were saying flaps quite this much. It's I mean, a, I thought flaps might come up. It's a flap special this week. In fact, the whole year after Dad died, every one of my seats on flights were facing the flaps. <laughs> often, on, often on plane models I knew Dad had worked on. Wow. I, I felt re it really felt like he was reaching out somehow. Ugh. I never really believed in the paranormal, but Dad's flap seat antics have made me... A believer. Well, I don't want to... I think she's reaching a bit there. <laughs> uh, yes, it's a little... It's not, not the most compelling evidence I've ever heard. But oh, uh, anyway, that's rather lovely. <laughs> Look, <laughs> i tell you what. Let's have an interview with... Oh, the wonderful... He's a former... Well, he is a comedian. He is still a comedian. But he's like the director of the Southport Comedy Festival, Bren Riley. But where does he stand on flaps? I'm here in Victoria Park in Southport. I'm with Brent Riley, who is a believer, does have stories. He's just been, what would you call yourself, the impresario of the Southport Comedy Festival? Director. All right. <laughs> and <laughs> he's got, never mind all that, he's got a spooky story that he wants to tell us. And this, I'm assured, is a proper spooky story, not some of the usual shit we get. Bren, please regale us. In the studio, Linda put on the spooky music. Thank you. 
Right. No, don't laugh. It's a, it's a oh, real story. Hell, come on. Well, come on, then. I joined to be spooky about it. I want you to just tell a f***ing story. OK, so it. I've just died on stage. No. So I'm in this slaughterhouse pub in, which sounds bad, doesn't it, in Liverpool. That's where the laughter Fenix house is, Fenix Street, where laughter house yes, is. Yes, right. Yes. My mate used to run the gig there. So I was downstairs at the in the cellar, cellar, like the, the bottom floor with the Hold on, Brad, I'll tell you one thing. I've spoken to the people who run it, who you know, on a previous podcast, telling me spooky stories from that place. There you go. Go on, let's so, hear it. So it must be true. Yeah. Right, so... I am in there with another comedian called Patrick Monaghan. Yes, well And done. my lovely wife, Val. Yes. And we had done a gig. It was about one o'clock in the morning. And we're in the bar. And this is completely true. And people going about orbs on photographs and all yes. this kind of stuff. I was actually... It was years ago. I had a digital, like one of the first digital cameras, and I'm trying to capture orbs of all things because we are talking about it all. Yes. And I'm standing there, and an orb shot around the room and I only saw it go along the wall. Right. Val saw it go round the back and Patrick Monaghan saw it come right around. So we all saw it in our eyes and it was it was like it wasn't like a light flashing, it was like a the brightest ping pong ball. That's the best way. And it went right round the came around us. Yeah, and Patrick everyone saw it. Yeah. We all three of us saw it. How? So it was the, uh, roughly the size of a ping pong ball, or a speck yeah, of dust. No, it, size it was or... to me. It was this white ball that flashed down the room. And this is this is well, this is incredible because you will remember who's who runs the the, the, the last Paula, dress? Paula and Chris. Paula and Chris. Yeah. That's right. And and Chris has, has been on the show talking about this. I say show podcast. <laughs> so you honestly believe that that's what you saw? It, it was a an orb. It was about the size of a ping pong ball, or what? Right. So if you can imagine, it wasn't a flash of light. It was I saw it shoot down the room. And I, and when you when you think about it, I was facing one way. It must have gone right across my vision, but it came because. Patrick and my missus saw it come around us, right. so it must have gone right round. But it's gone out of my vision, yeah. And you got a sh- you got a shot of it? No, a photograph. Of no, it. right? Okay. Uh, Patrick thought I was t- using the camera somehow. True, hundred percent true. And he said, "Was that the camera?" And I had it in my hand. Look, I was looking down right. at the camera when he did it. Val, Val is just here. Val, could you come over here and just confirm <laughs> this uh, story? I'm playing devil's advocate. He's the wife. This is the wife. Val, just tell me, did you... She's also the director of the Southport Comedy Festival, by the way. How'd you go? Uh, Val, (laughs) can you please, can you please stop him talking and just tell me whether you saw the orb? I saw a light just in my peripheral vision kind of thing. And I said, we all looked up at the same time. So... And are you convinced that it was spirit? I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. And to this day, you're not sure? No. I'm not sure, 100%. Quite the story you yeah. told, Brad, is it? That <laughs> everyone was quite certain. Well, I was always, saw. I'm glad that they saw it. Patrick saw Patrick Monaghan, comedian, saw it as well. Light. We all saw, saw it. Saw a light, but, and there is supposed to be, you know, spirits there. there. People there. have... Call the slaughter yeah, people have seen, yeah, yeah. People, other people have seen things. Okay. And actually the owners of the time, Adam, um, who, who ran the club then, yeah. He, yeah. he had seen, you know, things and, yeah, so... I fully believe this because I've spoken to these people about that very club. Okay. Listen, I want to thank you for that. Did it... I mean, were you, like, hair stood on end sort of thing? No, I'm bald, mate. Oh, sorry. I was being rather insensitive. He, he's bald. What about you? You've got a lovely head of hair. <laughs> uh, I wasn't scary because I was still 
skeptical, skeptical, skeptical. Yes, I still. Yes, have that's right. That's yeah. the word. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that is. I think you'll agree. A little bit spooky, and we will continue to investigate some of the stuff around Bold Street and all the stuff in Liverpool that's very. Very scary. Anything else to there's, add? There's Bef- Royal Court as well. It's got spooky stuff there. We're going to investigate yeah. that. Whereabouts is that? Row Street. Okay, I'm yeah. just nodding that. It means something near, to me, but... Near, um... Yeah, George's Hall. Bit, near, so. Not well, near the bombed-out ch- church. It's no. the, uh... No, no not near no. the bombed-out church. No, no. Okay, I thought you just checking. I can tell you how to get there from the bottom. <laughs> All right, well, the whole thing's falling apart now. It doesn't matter. We got the, we got the main, the main bit. All right, thank you. Namaste. Namaste. That's good. Time now to hear those spooky stories from the 100 Club Ooh. from the other night. And what a night it was. Have a listen to this. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to that time in the show where we're going to hear your ghost stories. We're going to record them for the Clinton Baptist Paranormal Podcast, which we've established some people don't pay for. I don't know why. (laughs) I've lost the thing that records it in here. I don't know what we're going to do with that. We're going to record it, though. We're all right for that. We're all right for that. I did have another recording device. What did I do with it? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Ladies and gentlemen, where's Glow? Glow is going to come amongst you with the microphone. Have we got a, a large mic? Uh, the one I've got. Here we go. Glow, this is for you. Test this one. Yeah, okay. Hello? That's that one. I've got it stuck. Ladies and gentlemen, please have a think about your ghost stories because this will be on the podcast very, very soon. There is a prize donated by Monoloco Mixtape here. Wonderful. Give them a round of applause. They've been wonderful. There are two prizes. There are two prizes, ladies and gentlemen. Could we please have anyone, can anyone volunteer for the first ghost story tonight, please? Don't all rush. Who have we got there? There's go one over the, there. There's one over there. Oh, hold on. We'll let's go. go to this chap here, Tony. I believe it's Tony. Let's, let's start with Tony, then we'll come Tony. to you. This is actually a true story. <laughs> it's true. Yes, I know. That's what we're, that's what we're after, Tony. Um, you slightly give me the impression it's not in that case. My mum was... Thank you. My mum was a seventh child of a seventh child. True yeah. story. Right. Again. Um, one day, they had a say. They they had a, a spiritual meeting. Yes. Just four people: my dad, his mum, yeah. my mum, her mum, and it was table tapping. True story. I don't say that. I won't say that again. <laughs> they all had this big oak table, and four of them were around the table. And my mum said, speak once for yes, twice for no. Speak once for yes and twice for no. (laughs) Why don't you say yes or no? (laughs) Speak once for yes and no. It's a Sunday, I've been drinking. Tony, are you making this up? (laughs) No. As you go. They said, 
All right, tap once for yes, one for no. Oh, it's Quite all falling it. apart, Tony. <laughs> the table. The table, yes. Bounced up once. <laughs> oh my fucking god. <laughs> My, oh, it's Mark. My, gran yeah. my, my grandmother. Your grandmother, yes. Who is very. She was the seventh Catholic. child of the no, seventh. No, that's my mum. Right. So my, my grandmother, who is very that, Catholic. Surprising that time to sit on the table, all the sex that was going on. <laughs> Fucking hundreds of people in this family. She didn't agree with what was happening, so she went and sat I'm not the sure I do either, Tony. <laughs> This is true. My, oh, dad, who never, my dad never told a lie to me, and he told me this definitely happened. Right. The table started going mental. Okay. Going up and down, up and down, yes. up and down, and smashed into my grandmother's legs. True story. <laughs> Two out of ten. Now... Thank you, Tony. That won't be bothering the prize committee tonight. <laughs> terrible, wasn't it? Absolutely terrible. But thanks anyway, Tony. Tony, no, yes. Who's, who's next for the guillotine? Come over there. If you can come over here a little bit. Yes, we... Right. Nice and quick. Hi, Clinton. Hi. Hello there. What's your name, Tom? I'm Tom. Hello, Tom. Hello. Um, I was visiting my girlfriend who lives near Sleepy Hollow in New York. Ooh. Yeah, which is a bit of a creepy Cosmopolitan. Place. There we go. <laughs> Sleepy Hollow, yes. And um, I was in the kitchen, and all of a sudden we saw my trainer, which was on the floor. Trainer? Levitate up and drop down. No. True. Really? It's true. Was it an unhappy soul? <laughs> oh, dear. What sort of trainer was it? A personal trainer. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> Is that it? That was the story. I'm wondering who might have been lifting the trainer, though. F*** off. <laughs> Next. This is hopeless. Hopeless! Lisa in the front here! Lisa, my love. True story. True story, everyone. True story. Well, judging by the last two, just fucking make one up, cos they were... <laughs> Moved into a house in Bolton, a place called Horrid. Oh, I know. Which is the, the bottom of the... Horrid, I call it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I live here. Yeah. And um, the bottom of the Pennine Moors. Yes, I you know. You know what the Pen... And uh, we'd only been in about two days and we right. kept hearing this cough come from the second bathroom. Good God. Posh, I had an ensuite. Yeah. Um, the second bathroom. Yes. And a cough. The, a cough. <clears throat> Yeah, I've heard of what a cough is. I know what that is. Like, I've yeah. heard of them before. And the next day, uh, the, the old neighbour from next door knocked on our door to introduce herself. It's she was this, called this, Edna. This, do you see, Tony? This is how you do it. And, <laughs> do you understand? <laughs> 
And Edna said, pleased to meet you. Yeah. I'm Edna, and I said, I'm Lisa, etc. And I said, oh, have you got a bad cough? I heard coughing Go in on. the night. She said, no. She said, you're living in the house that Eric lived in, and he died. Well, I know Eric was in the first half. He died yes, after speaking to these this. people. <laughs> And he died, died on his ass. He died. I don't remember him coughing, I just remember him slagging them off in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right, it's only a joke. <laughs> right, carry on. And he... And Eric died in that house. Eric died in the house, yeah. Of pneumonia. Yes. In that back bedroom, which yes. is now the bathroom. We used to hear the cough a lot. It's not and, bad, is and it? And eventually, it's, it's, that, my eldest daughter not. used to say... Stop. I thought we the scary bit. Yeah, no, my eldest daughter used to say, stop coughing. And when she used to say, well, you stop, stop coughing, coughing, he used to stop coughing. See, they were nicer in them days, weren't they? <laughs> that is a true story. Stop coughing. The poor bloke had fucking emphysema. <laughs> stop coughing. I'm trying to watch EastEnders. <laughs> well, that goes into the lead uh, so far. But yes, Grant, Grant, Grant. I think I've caught Eric's cough. First of all, <laughs> um, I used to work for Salford Council. Um, no one likes to show off, Grant. Go on. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the, the toilets on our floor was out of order, so we had to go into the, Can you just the, into the chambers. Can a bit more spookily, for Christ's sake? We, we had to go into the chambers. Yeah, just a second. <laughs> Don't be a poo-pooer. In the toilets, please. Yeah, so I was the only one in there in the chamber. So it was the basement of the uh, the town hall. Yeah. Um, and I was at the ur urinal. Yes. And I seen this Parker sort of next to me. Parker? Like, so, Parker coat with Manchester in it. So okay, you know, everyone yeah. wears Parkers and stuff. Go anyway, on. Um, I turn around because I'm done. There was a mirror there and there was no one stood next to me. But there was someone. There was a mirror there. Well, do you know when you turn around to wash your hands? There's a mirror there facing the urinals and there was nobody there. Did you catch your reflection in the mirror, Grant? <laughs> My parka was red. I, you know, you don't need second sight for that, <laughs> just sight. <laughs> Did it look like you looking back at you? A little bit, yeah. We've <laughs> 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 got another one. Next. Nice try, Grant. Could do better. Thank you. Hello. Hello, my love. Now, this is promising. What's your name, my love? Ellie. Ellie! <laughs> what have you got for us, Ellie? I've got a few, but it depends well, on how long you've got Well, pick one, the best one, please. Just the best one. So, um, my uncle got married in Scotland about 15 years ago. Yes, oh, sorry. <laughs> and it was in this old castle in the middle of nowhere, really. Um, and they said that it was quite haunted. Yeah. Um, so we were all kind of on edge all night, and... Um, Everyone got really ill the morning after the wedding. They were yeah. all really sick stomachs. Well, I will say, Scotland, <laughs> the food is to die for. <laughs> it's all fried, it'll fucking kill you. But go on. And um, my mum was complaining that she didn't get any sleep. Right. Um, the whole time we were there. And at the time, I was only 12, so she didn't really tell me anything about it. OK. And we got talking about it a few years ago, and she said she had a very interesting experience in the night. In go the... on. She was... <laughs> So she was woken up by the feeling of someone climbing into bed with her. Go on! <laughs> and my mother 
had sex with a ghost. <laughs> Did she really? <laughs> Thanks for asking. Um, that is possible. That is possible. Did she remember? I mean, what, like penetrative sex? She's. Sorry, it is your mother. I know we're talking it's about. It's a bit much. Um, but she said she woke up and there was ectoplasm everywhere. Oh! Too far. The dirty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make that up? I promise you, true story. Did your mother enjoy the experience? I think she did. Did Sorry, was your dad there as well? <laughs> yeah. This was just before they split up. Really? Yeah. It wasn't like a sort of phantom three-way sort <laughs> Some of thing. Some sort of phantom thing. I'm almost inclined to hear the next story. What, <laughs> what happened next? Oh, that's a bit less raunchy, but... Um... Well, just spice it up a All little right. bit for me. <laughs> So my uncle Mike passed away um, so over sorry. a decade ago. Okay. And um, we were round my auntie's house making a roast dinner, and he was very um, particular about his Sunday roasts. He loved making them, yeah. and he would always make the Yorkshire pudding. Sounds like from your scratch. mom likes a roast as well, doesn't <laughs> she loves it? A roast. <laughs> <laughs> your dad and that ghost, you know. So my auntie was redecorating the house at the time yeah. and she said she couldn't be bothered to make the Yorkshire puddings from scratch like Mike always would. Yeah, okay. And as she opened the freezer to grab the Aunt Bessie... Go on! The, the lid on the paint pot just popped off. Sorry, which paint pot? She was painting the house! She was redecorating the house. It was on the side. Okay, that's... <laughs> that does happen, doesn't it? If you push a paint pot down, sometimes it can pop up. I'm not a painter, so I don't know. No, okay. <laughs> yeah, you've rather ruined it now. Because the first one, <laughs> the first one was quite good, wasn't it? Sit down. You are currently in the lead. You're currently in the lead. Lisa, Lisa's second place. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We turn again to various problems in uh, take a break, take a break, fate and fortune. Which I because I always think Linda is is so much more qualified than in this case Jane Wallace. <laughs> Jane, what does she know? What does she know, Jane Wallace? So. As I say, please send in any problems you want Linda to sort out. Yeah. Clinton at clintonbaptist.com. I might be having something to say about it at all. I'll get you sorted. Right, OK. So uh, let's have some concern music as we okay. get on with this question. Can I manifest friends? <laughs> OK. This is from Cammy, 28, of Worcestershire. Or yeah. is it? Maybe it's by Jane and her mates back at the office. Well, we don't... That's a little bit... Turn the music off. Don't be so cynical. Although... Right, would be unheard of, would it? No. Question. I found out a friend from work has been saying nasty things about me. Oh, what sort of thing? You do have a dirty bottom, I've seen it. That sort of thing, probably. But when I told her what I'd heard, she'd replied, we are not friends. This has really hurt me. How can I attract nice people into my life? Says Cammy, 28, of Worcestershire. Yeah, to all you bullies out there. <laughs> oh, to you. Jane Wallace's advice is the guidance the angels... Oh, God! <laughs> the guidance the angels wish to give you is that we all have our inner victim <gasps> and periods. Hey! Oh, this is blaming, are they the angels? The guidance the angels... We all have our inner victim and periods when that aspect of ourselves is more dominant. When we operate from a place of unconditional love, this will become less of an issue. She's had this before where you just yeah. offer unconditional love. Send unconditional love to past friends by saying, Thank you, angels, for helping me send unconditional love to past friends and welcoming new ideal friendships into my life. What else did she say there? Thinking about what's gone wrong in the past will only manifest more of the same. Instead, focus on all the qualities you want in a friend and the angels will deliver. What a load of old shite. Well... Okay, don't sit on the fence. <laughs> there is something to be said that sometimes people aren't natural. They like to set themselves up as victims, and you kind of go, "Oh, come on, pull yourself it's, together." I, I think it's a bit strong to call Cammy a victim. She heard someone was slagging her off, asked yeah. her about it, assumed this person was friendly, and she turns out she's not. It's very hurtful. Cammy, if I could speak to you directly, and I can't because you don't think I'm worth writing to. No. You said you'd rather write, write to, this to this woman, feathery tart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, hurt people hurt people, right? So this person is clearly not a very happy person and uh, I would be grateful to them for showing themselves as being an arsehole yeah, and right. move on. I'd say to you... You are a shit. And as for you, uh, Jane Wallace, I would like to apologise to all our friends uh, at uh, Take a Break, Fate and Fortune. You are not... Let's just get this absolutely clear. You are not a feathery twat or whatever she... Tart. Tart, as she described you. Let's get on with the next one. <laughs> Will she stop being a rebel? How about this? I'd like some advice, says Kat. Oh, grow up, Kat. And they're using a, the most delicious stock image of a... Uh, of a 
of a, of a sulky teenager gazing yeah. wistfully into the camera while holding the phone up and there's a sort of misty image of a mother in a dressing gown trying to get through <laughs> to her. Why won't you listen to me? Well, do the bloody story. Go on. I'd like some advice. This Cat 44 of Hartlepool, who I can guarantee is not in this picture. Yeah. I'd like some advice about my teenage daughter. She's gone from being a lovely, well-behaved, studious girl to an absolute rebel. It happens. I've had to give in so much because it was causing so many arguments between us. Aha! Will my girl go back to being her own self? I'm sending you a picture of my purse. <laughs> That's one thing to call it. <laughs> Christ almighty! Will you I can go make back a purse out of the sow's ear. <laughs> I'm sending you a picture of my purse. <laughs> hey, cat 44 Hartlepool. <gasps> right, things are going to get worse. This is Jane. She's got no sympathy, this Jane. <laughs> no. Who's a victim now? Is it Kat? <laughs> Things are going to get worse before they start getting better. Your daughter will benefit from speaking to her GP. Now, this is quite what? good advice. Yes! And I sense strongly that she should be offered some form of counselling. Um, what? Or she's just been a teenager. It's the reason why we don't still live with our parents. Every single one of us turned into an arsehole between 12 and 28. Well, I think actually you're quite right. Nature's way. It is really harsh if you have to deal with that. That would be pretty awful. I mean, maybe she does, should go for some counselling. This will take time. I can see quite a few medical appointments over the next six months, eh? It's a bit much. I thought she's just been a bit of a bitch. Not, yeah, not she should med- be medicated. Unless she suggests you smack her in the, <laughs> smack her in the face. <laughs> then there might be a few medical appointments. Your dog's been protected by a wonderful man in spirits. Oh, God, I'd hate that. <laughs> he is telling me your girl has gone down the wrong path. Oh. I went down the lane. Oh, I must find Maybe that. it's because you've been too much of a pussy and you've I, been giving oh, in to her instead oh. of letting her do her thing. Bloody hell. <laughs> and uh, she's quite been quite forthright today, isn't but she, you've Linda? you missed out the big bit in here, you see. Rather than saying, oh, you know, take it to counselling, take yeah. it to someone else to sort it out, yeah. I've had to give in so much. Maybe if you reinforce some boundaries and stop trying to be her friend and be her mum, you I, might have more luck. I am inclined to agree with you, Linda. I'm absolutely inclined to agree with you. I think that's wonderful advice. They will argue. Of that course doesn't mean will. you have to give in. And you don't have to send them out to bloody counselling. <laughs> wonderful advice. Wonderful advice there. I'm sorry I called cat pussy. Um, no, but... No. Because, actually, that is the strongest organ and it should not be used in a pejorative fashion. Exactly right. My man assures me... This man, the spirit man, assures me your daughter is like a boomerang. You have to worry about her leaving you. There's a joke in there somewhere. I can't think what it is. Uh, Big down under or whatever it is. Uh, You haven't to worry about her leaving you. She will always come back to you. Can you love you very much? Get your girl a chunk of clear quartz. No. No, get some firm boundaries. Never mind the clear quartz, get some f***ing manners. <laughs> to, to keep her at all times, it will absorb worries and help her think more clearly. Another problem solved. On a serious note, they can be a little shite. You've yes. just got to choose your battles, but make sure that when you do choose a battle, you stay firm. Do you hear this, people? This is why you need to get in touch with us for your problem. <laughs> uh, here's another one now. My friend is making... This is another one to do with mums. OK. My friend is making me feel like a terrible mum. Uh. Our babies were born two months apart, but we're very different mothers. I've never made any negative comments to her, but she constantly criticises me. For example, my son has never had a night away from me. My choice. She tells me I'm too clingy. I feel tearful after being around her and my boyfriend says I should cut contact. Now, this is from Sophie, 29. I dare say... I don't know how young she was when she had this kid, but this person's probably not a teenager. There's no reason they have to be away from home. What do you think? Linda, please. Well, 
I think that a friend is not a friend if you come away feeling less than, right? So if you are continually coming back from yes. from these encounters feeling shit, yes, and like you have been criticised yes. and subjected to let's let's be let's let's call it what it is abuse, yes. Then maybe your boyfriend has got a point. Do you know what I mean? But also, what? No one can make you feel like a terrible mum, right? Oh, there must be a kernel of something in there anyway. If you, you are feeling like... If you are feeling shakeable like that... Yes. I would do a little bit of self-care and work out what it is that is making you feel like, I don't know, like someone is... If you felt secure in yourself, that wouldn't shake you if someone being a, a cowbag. I think you're quite right. So... Just look after yourself. And do you know what? Yeah, maybe give her a rest for a bit because this is not doing you any good at all. I think you're right. What wonderful advice. And Craig Revel Hallwood says... <laughs> Ten points there from Linda. The answer is, uh, Jane says, I agree with your boyfriend. Why don't you marry him then? <laughs> your friend is very bitter and she's taken advantage of your soft nature to make herself feel better. Then a bit that Linda won't go for. No. Give yourself some love. Get some rose quartz. Right. Don't let poisonous people get you down. Now, this is one that I quickly want to get to. Is he recording me? Oh, my God. After a 25-year marriage, my husband and I have parted company. He wasn't there for me when my dad died suddenly, which triggered the split. And I'm now worried that he won't play fair in the divorce settlement and suspect he's somehow recording my telephone conversations to build a case oh. against me, says Trisha, 52 of Kidderminster. Oh, my fucking God. Can you imagine being with someone who was recording what you were saying? Mm. That is spooky, isn't okay. it? Okay, I know what I think about this, but let's find out what Jane... Jane... Feathery friends reckon. <laughs> Jane Wallace, a psychic to the stars, acclaimed clairvoyant, says this, your ex has been recording your conversations 100%. That is not admissible in a court of law, though. I'll be very careful throwing that kind of accusation around. <laughs> and I put it to you, Tricia of Kidderminster, how did you know this? I wrote in to <laughs> Jane Wallace at Take a Break, Fate and Fortune. Anyway, Jane says he's a very selfish person. He's also been hiding financial stuff from you. I think it's a little bit presumptuous for her to say this, this out loud. This could leak, right? Especially as, as we read further, you find out there are children involved. This could drive an unnecessary wedge between two people who are already struggling. I, I, I think you're right. Here we go, listen to this. You are well read. He wasn't the best dad to your kids. And your old father never liked him. How does she know this? Why didn't she tell her before? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> if you know so much, why don't you warn her? You stayed together because of your son. But now you are free. I can see a fresh start, and you're going to have a brilliant year. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the words, true passion. Woo! Your dad is looking after you. He made sure you saw the text message which alerted you to the issues with your ex. I will say this about Jane Wallace. She's quite happy to lay it on the line, isn't Ooh, yeah, she? Yeah, she tells a story. I mean, she, she really does. I don't know, you know how accurate it is, but, I mean, the good thing is you're going to hear the words, true passion. I think we know what that means. <laughs> That's what's going to be happening there. <laughs> anyway, let's hope your dad isn't looking at you when that's going on, biting your face in a cushion. All right, yeah. Right, that's good. Uh, right. Passion means something different to everyone, doesn't it? Yes, of course it does. Of course. It, yeah, sorry, it could mean passion for, I don't know. Dance. Flower arranging. Anyway, listen, we've got to speak to someone now, a fella coming through who wants to speak to us about a very spooky thing that happened. 
from Gordon Breslin, who's a brilliant photographer who's taken my picture, What's taken that? my photo quite a lot. So he's seen things. He's seen things. He's seen some, some spooky things, some very handsome things in costumes <laughs> on stage. Here we go, part one. Here we go. It's in three parts, but stick with it. In 1972, when I was 16, I lived in West Wickham and had a great group of school friends from Langley Park, boys and girls schools, which are just down the road from where I live now. Just a second. <laughs> To this day, we all live locally and we still knock about together and sometimes this tale comes up as it is still something that splits us into two camps, the believers and the sceptics. That, my dear friend, is what we call a preamble. We're not even in it yet. Yeah, God, hold on. Yeah, keep going. Down the lane. And over a field from where we lived stands Wickham Court, which can trace its history back to 1504. Oh, God, yeah. It was built by Anne Boleyn's grandfather. Inside the grounds is St John's Church in the ancient graveyard that belongs to it. We had heard a myth that the churchyard was a tomb that had a split in it and you could see inside. One Sunday night in the middle of winter, four of my pals, John the ringleader, Henry, Ray and G, decided to see if it was true. Waiting until it was 9pm and after they'd done their homework, they met up and set off. They trudged through some frosty fields in the pitch black as it was a moonless night with hooting owls for company. To get to the isolated church. He's trying to say... Is this a famous five? (laughs) It's a famous fucking 45, the way it's going on. (laughs) But at age 16, they were fearless, or so they thought, dot, dot, dot. All they knew was that the tomb holding the remains was that of Admiral John West, father of salmon. You love him, love his tuna. (laughs) After hunting around the oldest part of the graveyard with their torches sure enough they found the tomb they knelt down and found a crack no, don't laugh. At Eight crack. inches by ten inches. That's a big crack. As John had come up with the escapade, the other I'm ignoring that. The others decided it was him with him. Had decided it was him who had to take a peek. John pushed his hand into the crack, wrist deep, <laughs> and shone his torch inside. Woo! This is what happened. The torch shone on the skeleton and the skull moved a fraction and the eye sockets were then looking straight at John. Ah! He yelled in alarm. The other three legged it without even waiting for him. He jerked his hand so hard he dropped the torch inside the grave, lighting the bones. His hand stuck in the crack. Oh, my fucking God. He could see the illuminated skull and what appeared to be the shape of a smile on the mouth. He managed to free his hand and join the others running down the hill and at the bottom he told them what he had seen. That sight still haunts him. As soon as they got back to their respective homes, they they made calls to the group, including me. Most of us thought it was a load of tosh. So he wasn't even there? No, he's her... Uh, 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 well, you know, I know, it's a little bit... Uh, Someone could be pulling a string somewhere. On Mondays, we all met up at Youth Club at Emmanuel Church in the Grove, West Wickham. The four Tomb Raiders all got their story, got to tell their story again, and there remained a great deal of scepticism amongst those of us who hadn't gone. One of the four, Henry, said the only way to prove it was to summon the Admiral through a Ouija board session. <laughs> We decided to meet on Friday night at Sue and Carol's parents' house. Between the Monday and Friday, Clive, a sceptic of the story, decided to do some research so that if we did summon the spirit, we could ask some proper questions to validate it. It wasn't another hoax like we thought the whole tomb story was. 
It took Clive quite a bit of effort, as it was 1972 after all, but he found some bits and pieces in the library and established that the Admiral was born in 1774 and died aged 88 in 1862. At the age of 14, he joined the Navy on board the Pomona. He had a wife and five children. I'm sure there are other facts. No more facts, a bit boring. But anyway, Clive had enough, yes, have I, to catch out anyone trying any funny business with the glass and the board. In you go, stop my family. Sorry, wrong one. As Carol, at Carol and Sue's house, it was decided none of the four that went could be part, this is good, this, could be part of the Ouija, and that Clive wouldn't either. He gave us a list of questions, but kept the answers secret. To this day, he swears he did not reveal any of the answers to anyone in that room. We turned the lights off, lit some candles and gathered round. From being all jokey, a deathly hush fell upon all of us in the room and John was decidedly nervous. I shakily placed a finger on the glass and I must say that at no point did it feel like anyone was guiding the glass. We started by asking the spirit world if we could summon the spirit of the Admiral and after a respectful pause, I asked the spirit world by the tried and trusted phrase, Is there anybody there? The answer came back. About your pencil. Despite the radiators being on in the room, it went icily cold. The glass moved, yes. Identify yourself, please. The glass moved around the board at pace to spell out Admiral Sir John West. Nobody had any clue he was a sir as well as an admiral. Clive nodded to confirm it was correct. We carried on asking the spirit a few more questions that Clive had prepared. And with each answer the board offered up, Clive would nod that the Ouija board answers were indeed correct. You could cut the atmosphere in the room with a knife. Nobody dared move. Nobody took their eyes off the board. About ten minutes in, the scariest moment came when the question was... Sorry, can you appear amongst us now? Yes, came the response. How? The glass moved from F to E to A to R to spell fear. We all f***ing shit ourselves and tipped the board over. Let's speak to Gordon Bloody Breslin right now. Gordon is with us now. Gordon, where are you phoning from, please? I am in Beckenham, which is uh, not far from where the scene of the spooky story is set. In fact, just about two or three miles away. Yes. Okay. And do you, to this day, maintain that it was real, that it was true, or do you think people have, you know, embellished it over the years? Not at all. Um, I think I was quite truthful in what I said, that I was one of the sceptics, but now... Yeah, and obviously listening to you and seeing your shows, I'm obviously a believer. Yeah. I spoke to I spoke to John, the the main ringleader this morning, and he still stands very much by by the story of that night, which is 50 years ago now. Okay. And and also Clive still swears to this day that um, he revealed none of the questions as well, right. let alone the let alone the answers. The thing that fascinated me more than anything was lifting up the the lid of the coffin and seeing. A skeleton turn, eyes roll and smile. Lifting up lids, he was putting his hand in the crack. But do you know what well, I mean? For a skeleton to turn round, come on. Well, no, he didn't turn round. I said it moved a fraction, I think, um, was what I said. Well, yes, um, 
fucking hell. Thanks, Gordon. That's what Details me up on. matter, Clinton. Well Go done. On, man. Thank you, Gordon. Yeah. So, so I, you know, so when we first heard the story, you know, my initial reaction was, well, you know, you've got four people sitting down and kneeling down where they were doing gathered around one particular spot to try and look through the cracks. So maybe it, it could just have been the weight may have just shifted the, the contents of the, of the tomb. And suddenly it all falls apart, Gordon. Come on, stick up for the story. You saw a skeleton move or you didn't. I, I, again, you haven't read the... You know, part one wasn't there. I'm relating the story as it was told well, to all me. Right, all right, OK. But the, the, the people who clearly you believe... Subsequently, trust, yeah. Yeah, trust them, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was as a sceptic, yeah, but then the, the, the scary Ouija session really made me believe the guys and, all, and they were just steadfast in their story. So I just, you know, and people I trust and, and still trust to this day. Um, and so, I, you know, I was convinced. All right, can I, I've got to ask you this, Gone. What were the questions that were asked uh, that, that was so sort of um, verifiably true of um, General Sir John, jo- West. John West and his Salmon Phillips. Uh, I think Clive had some questions about you know date of birth, um, yeah. you know name of the ship, what date of death. But obviously a couple of you know, perhaps they could have been gleaned from the uh, tombstone itself. But I, I can't honestly remember all the questions he had, and I don't, don't think Clive actually kept a record of, of the questions he was he was asking. Right, but because you'll forgive me, but just simply, you know, spelling out fear. He could have spelled out tuna, I suppose. <laughs> but, you know, spelling out fear, I mean, that's not really, you know, I mean, if, when it boils down to it, that doesn't really mean anything much, does it? Well, I think, you know, you've obviously been in seances and weird sessions yourself, so I think you can absolutely sense the change in atmosphere, and that's kind of what happens, you know, the, that hairs on the back of my neck went up and uh, and John this morning just says one of the things he really remembers was that the, the, the room did literally change temperature and, and was very, very cold. All right. Gordon, I sense that you are very keen to, 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 to defend it and I'm only playing devil's advocate because Linda's here, she's stroking her beard and looking <laughs> at me... And, and it's almost like you believe it because there's something about the, the, the veracity of it in his face, in Gordon's face. I think it's a deliciously macabre tale, and I'm yes. enjoying it enormously. Yes, but of course. At back at the back of my mind is yes. one word emerging. What bullshit? I think that it was oh. a it, you know teenagers spooky situations and you rile each other up don't you I do believe that it can have a physical effect I'm not doubting the veracity of your claim that maybe you felt cold got chills all that sort of stuff yeah but you know we wind each other up as kids don't we We st- I've seen adults do it now on yeah. ghost hunts Gordon what do you make of that well Linda was looking very very serious I thought she was you know, going to going to change her tune and become a become a believer like me and you but uh, honest, I think she was thinking out what she's going to do after she's finished recording this I'm thinking tuna mayonnaise sandwich I don't yeah, know what it is me but too about the scales making me peckless I, I was thinking about that you can do a lovely pasta with a bit of tuna you can very simple can, but effective yes let me just just one second Sir John Sir John should I buy the chunks the one in the water <laughs> Or, or the oil. He says chunks. He says chunks every time. Is it not a false economy? <laughs> Shouldn't one have the steak? I mean, I would always say, for example, with I'm not going to ask John. Thanks, John. 
I, I, you know, if you buy like chopped tomatoes or yeah. something, I was thinking you're paying extra what to chop the tomatoes. Just get the plum tomatoes, chop them up yourself in a bolognese. Mm. But it's when a, it comes to tuna, it's all short as long, isn't it? You couldn't mash it. Do you pay more for chopped tuna, or do you? I mean, I imagine you get the steak, the actual tuna steak. It's bigger. You get more for your money, don't you? I've never thought about it that deep. I have. Let's go where the. Um... Well, you, 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 I think you've got to, with the tuna in a tin. You get it, get it out, and give it a good forking, haven't you? Uh, okay, Gordon, thank you very, very much. This is, I think this is disintegrated somewhat, hasn't it? This well, thing. Gordon, you were going to go to the top of the table, but actually, ah. what what it turns out is you weren't there for the moving skeleton. Uh, you can't provide any details of the questions asked at the, at the Ouija. <laughs> and when, when, I mean, it's only four letters in fear, isn't it? Lots of love. <laughs> Take care. Bye, Gordon. What a lovely man. Thanks, God. Don't wave like that. It's like he's won a competition. <laughs> it's look a bit simple. <laughs> To your problems now, uh, Linda, Linda, Linda. Mm. Please tell me what you make of this. This is from Take a Break, Fate and Fortune, with a very, a very sort of. Well, it can be quite alarming. It's a, it's a family problem. Oh dear! Isn't it? Yes. Here tricky, we go. Tricky, tricky. Has she changed? This is from Inez, who is thirty-three and from Suffolk. And what deliciously exotic name! Yeah, isn't it? My sister is single with a well-paid job, and I have a three-year-old daughter with my long-term partner. When we were kids, she would put me down and tell me I was ugly. Oh. It has left me anxious and mistrustful of others. She wants to take my daughter on days out, but part of me doesn't trust her. Has she changed? Oh. Well, it's, it's, it's naughty. It is naughty. That's poor old Inez, 33, from Suffolk. This is what Jane says. Your sister will always be a manipulative... She goes in, she, she goes in, doesn't she? Mm. Fucking hell. Your sister will always be a manipulative person. She really does want to have an emotional, meaningful relationship with your daughter. But be on your guard. She will use this against you. Her love life is not what it should be. Oh, Christ. So she's pouring a lot of attention into your daughter. Blimey, that is a level of detail there. Imagine if she actually knew these people. What was she... Yeah, I mean, I think that's... My... My... (laughs) feeling about this is without knowing the detail of it everyone's sister was horrible to them when we were growing up yes of course one of the main go-tos was you're ugly or whatever it was yeah I don't think that is the basis for depriving your now grown up sister of seeing her niece I think that's absolutely correct Jane really (laughs) terrible terrible advice what I will say in Jane's defence is she doesn't beat around the bush, does she? She, does she plants a new bush, sets fire to it, and then beats a- you with the remnants. Absolutely. Now get this. This, this is this is really curious. This is from the same uh, magazine. My so- psychic thunderbolt. Call on me. And there's a picture at the top of what can only be described as. I'm going to say it. A tramp stamp. There is a tramp stamp here, my angel tattoo, with wings. Look a bit feathery. It looks like someone's vag, doesn't it? <laughs> it does look a bit pubic. I'm it's a bit pubic, but that belongs to Charlotte Humphreys, 25, who looks like she's put her um, growler. Anyway, on the, in the magazine. This wasn't a wrong number. It was a divine calling me by Charlotte Humphreys, 25. Can we have the spooky music, please? Yeah. Rooting through my wardrobe, I pulled out another outfit and threw it on the pile with the others on the floor. I've got nothing to wear, I sighed, curling into a ball on the floor and bursting into tears. It seems a little dramatic. What's the matter with all these snowflakes nowadays? (laughs) Oh, my, she's a bit nasty to me. Oh, yeah, tell her you need to go for counselling. Oh, hang on. 
But really, it wasn't the clothes I was having a meltdown over. It was my so-called friends at school. I was 16 and fed up of getting bullied. Oh, I do apologise. My fault. <laughs> Today been a particularly bad day. Oh, so sorry. And I was home alone. Oh, I was ready to go to that... Idiot! Sorry, what I didn't... Like? No, I don't. I've even read this. I couldn't even remember that bit. <laughs> I was at home alone at my parents' house in Manchester getting ready to see my boyfriend, Jack, who I was hoping would cheer me up. Yeah, well, she got a boyfriend. That's something, isn't it? Yeah. He offered to come and get me, but I told him I'd get the bus. But it was getting late and I still wasn't ready. Oh, well, all I can say is... Okay, originally I was worried this was going to be shit. <laughs> but it's turned still out to be. Still might be. Here we go. To my surprise, it only rang once, then stopped before going to voicemail. Weird in italics. Even so, I heard Mum's cheery recording click in. Hi, it's Carol. We're not here right now, so leave a message. I heard the beep so the caller could start speaking and then silence until... Hi, Charlotte. (gasps) Came a soothing female voice. It's me. Don't worry about anything. No, no, yeah, I know you doubt this, Linda, but... Shit, it's true. <laughs> That's Becky from Bedford. Who was me? I had no idea. It's all going to be okay, the voice continued. So get yourself up. It's all going to be fine. In an instant, I felt calm as I stood up like she'd asked and slowly went to the hall to press play and listen to those wise words again. But there was nothing on the machine. Oh, my God. I was baffled. The message had been clear as day and the caller had the most beautiful voice. I think we played her beautifully, don't you? Yeah. But each time I tried to play those calming words again, nothing. Next day, I told Mum. That gave me goosebumps. That... Goosebumps? That gave me goosebumps, she shivered. <laughs> I no idea what you're talking about. I looked into who it could have been and discovered to my amazement... Get this, and this is true, Linda, before you stop. the conclusion. That spirit can hack into electronics. What a load of well, shit. Well, my team's, my team's thing has really been shit this week. I imagine that spirit. <laughs> uh, you've heard the expression ghost in the machine. Yeah, That's what it is. And That's it. believe in them as well. I knew then I hadn't imagined the, the, the message, yet I did discover it had been an angel calling, right, until I saw two mediums who confirmed that a female one looking after had been looking after me. They even described her voice perfectly. Soft, soothing and feminine. Well, it's not going to be fucking scratchy and... Oh, God. No, just a can... minute. Can I just say, don't poo-poo. Some, some feminine people do not have a particularly soft, feminine, no, soothing voice. People... I give you this as a first example. Put the woolly in the bed. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I know, Ruth. but if someone's going to describe an angel voice... You wouldn't describe Ruth. The voice you? of an angel, right, no. is always going to be... It's never going to be, all right, kid, you'll be fine, get up, is it? No, that's right. It's not good. No, no, go on. I don't think that's particularly groundbreaking news. Knowing I had a guardian angel was such a comfort, particularly in 2014, when a really rocky year left me at an all-time low. Then, out of the blue, I had an email offering me work at a kid's holiday camp in Portsmouth. My dream job. Oh, Your my dream God. job? Really? Your dream job <laughs> is working in Portsmouth at a fucking holiday camp for kids. Oh, God. Some people... Honestly, some people, their sights aren't very high, are they? You can keep the supermodel job. No, I don't need to be a chocolate taster no, for Cadbury's. No. I want to go and work in Portsmouth. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> anyway, it was so far away, I nearly didn't take it, and it sounded shit as well, until, <laughs> until I realised it was the angel intervening. So I accepted the job, and now seven years on, 
I am still here and have my own beautiful little family. Come on, that's not too bad, is it? I don't think your reproductive capabilities are down to this. No, if I hadn't heard the voicemail, right, I would have never believed in guardian angels. Those few seconds changed everything for me and now I have my angel tattooed on my ribs to remind me. Yes, it was such it was such a massive moment for her. She has to have a reminder permanently engraved on her. That looks like someone's vagina. <laughs> I don't sense her all the time, but I know if I ever need her, she's only a call away. Hey. It's a lovely story. A little bit thin. That sounds like a 300 quidder to me. Is it not to you? <laughs> yes, it does. It was a bit it was a bit thin, that. I mean, blimey. If her, God, she must have gone mad when she got 300 quid. I mean, considering her dream job was that shitty thing in Portsmouth. 300 quid? I imagine 300 more tattoos? I imagine, yes. I imagine a win on the old McDonald's uh, Monopoly game. <laughs> fucking blow her head off. <laughs> Oh, aren't we snobs? Oh, aren't we snobs? Oh, we're, snobs. we're so nasty. Mm. Listen, I want, Linda, what are you going to be doing now when you leave this fatal, <laughs> fatal, mortal place? Why am I going to do? Um... Yeah, try and think of something. I've, got, dead, I've not got a lot at the moment, if I'm really honest. Are you going to go and watch the telly tonight? I'm I think like... England are playing tonight. Oh, I won't be watching that Whoa! Oh, come on, I've been watching. Quite sexy. Interview with the vampire. They made a TV series out of it. Sexy. I like vampire things. Why? Because it doesn't really... What is it about sucking blood? No, not even... It's not even about sucking blood. I think it's just dangerous and sexy. I blame Christopher Lee. Yes, okay. All right. Because those films were quite formative for me. Maybe... Maybe this says something about... That you do have a latent sort of underlying belief in the supernatural. Or I just really like nylon 90s. Do you know, I do quite like that. The more kind Those of... 90s they used to wear in those Christopher Aww. Lee films, they were not really Aww. of the period, were they? They were more like... <laughs> Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, I'm thinking of that now. If you could see me now, I'm doing like a red scuttle from Benny Hill. <laughs> I'm moving my glasses. I'm... And considering, yeah, that a lot of them were set in Victorian stroke Edwardian times, a lot yeah. of um, fake eyelashes and bouffant. I quite like that. I do like that sort of slightly polyester yeah. thing. It's a bit more real, a bit more British. Yeah. You know what I don't like sexually? <laughs> you know some people are into, like, leather and whips and all that? Yeah, perfect. That does nothing for me. I cannot understand that. It does absolutely nothing for me. I like it all soft and gentle. Oh, do you? It's all yeah. textures, isn't it? Yeah, I don't like those textures. You like nylon, you like a little bit of um, static electricity. I like it, I like a nasty, a nasty headboard from the 1970s. <laughs> the Lord. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's where I like bit it. A pleather, maybe. That's it! <laughs> Brentford nylons. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of fun and that oh. was a little bit rude to finish it, it off. Was, it, was, it was, just enjoy that, just, <laughs> just think of that. Right, ladies and gentlemen, please... Come back next week. Linda, will you be back next week? Probably. Oh, I like a bad hope penny. So. Unless a vampire has turned you Ooh, into... Get lucky. <laughs> um, until next time. Uh, by the way, will you please come to see us at the 100 Club, 26th of November or the 3rd of December? What? Do come. We don't bite. Or do we? <laughs> no, we I, don't. That would probably be... You're easy. coming along to at least one of those, aren't you? I will see. Oh, we can't promise anything, but hopefully you'll see Linda in the flesh. All right, lots of love. Until next time, namaste, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.
My thanks, obviously, to Linda Pollock, Bren Riley, Val Riley, Gordon Breslin, and of course to Glow for this wonderful uh, end song with accompaniment so ably from Archie Levy. On my sleeve now, I'm shouting from the trees now. I've never had it quite so romantic. Blessings on blessings, it's almost religious. Let me know, let me know, let me know. If you gotta, if you gotta, take it slow, take it slow, take it slow. at the 100 Club on the 26th of November or the 3rd of December for our Christmas show. Namaste. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah, right. Clinton Baptiste here, offering you the chance to enjoy my Patreon podcast for free for seven days. So many people have been joining me over there. It's a shame that you're not. Uh, we've got videos, cartoons, we've got uh, all sorts of stuff, uh, uh, all the old back catalogue and a chance for exclusive dibs on tickets before anyone else. Please come to patreon.com forward slash Clinton Baptiste. All right, spirit fading now. See you there. Fady nail.